Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message at Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy this message. Jesus rescued me. He rescued me. Oh, was I in a pit. Was I lower than low. And he rescued me, but he rescued me for a reason. So I could stand and sing. So I could stand and give him praise. God rescued me and he rescued you for a reason. If he just wanted to get us saved and that was it, well then he'd just whisk us right on up to heaven and that'd be cool. We're saved and we're in heaven. But we're still here. Amen? We're still here. And we experience life as we go through it. And uh, I, I've had something turning over in my spirit for a while. And um, you know what? I, I can tell you this much right now. If God doesn't do it this morning, it ain't getting done. But I believe God's here this morning. And I believe God has something to say to his people. Who's, who's his sheep here this morning? All right, all right. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of going back and forth about how I'm going to handle this. I, there is nothing up there, so I, I will give you this a, a heads up. You, you know what? You need to bring your sword. You need to have your sword. You need to have the word of the Lord with you. I, I, you know, uh, we're supposed to be Bereans. You don't just get out there and just take my word for it. You're supposed to study to see if what I'm telling you is the truth. You know, we've gotten to the place now where we set ourselves in front of that boob tube in the living room and we just sit there and we listen to everything and we, well, it was on the internet, it must be true. No, we need to go back and examine the Word of God and see if what we're hearing is the truth. You and I need to know the Word of God. We need to study to show ourselves approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the Word of truth. Amen? So this is the beginning of the message, so we're going to begin in the beginning book, and that's Genesis. And I've got, stay with me this morning. I'm going to be reading you a story. You know, you, sometimes you need to hear part of the story, and I'm not going to read you the whole story, but we're going to end up going into the book of Esther, and I'm going to read you a portion of the story of Esther and her life and, uh, and how uh, God used her. But... Um, we're going to start out in Genesis in the third chapter, and I, I've, got, I've got about 13 verses written down here, but you know what? I'm not going to read all of that. Most of you know the account in Genesis where God had placed Adam and Eve in the garden, and he said, I, I'm giving you this whole garden full of all this great stuff, and, but there's a tree right over here. Don't eat of that, because in the day that you eat of that, you'll die. Okay, and that was, uh, uh, if, if you follow that on out, they didn't die right away, but they died a spiritual death instantly when they went against that. And I want to tell you something this morning. You're, a lot of people this morning, we have gotten to the place where we, society changes, it, it, it evolves over time. I don't call it evolve, I really call it going backwards. But God has laws and God has rules that he puts in place, and they are not because he's a killjoy. They are not because he's a killjoy. God said that the wages of sin are... God does not want you and I to... The wages of sin are... God does not want you and I to... So he's not a killjoy. Listen, it, it, 
if we go out on the highway here, listen to me this morning. If we go out on the highway and we decide that when I see red, that makes me want to go. And I'm going to go when I see red. And when I see green, I'm going to slam on the brakes because I don't like green. And, and then somebody else says, well, yellow makes me want to go, so I'm going to go when it's yellow because I feel like it. Feel, feel, feelings are fickle. You know, in this story right here, the enemy is talking to Eve and making her feel like it's okay to do something. And so she felt it was okay. A lot of times, you know what? We can't go by our feelings. We have to go by what thus saith the Lord. So anyway, what's, what's going to be the end result of that if everybody just does what they feel? If they don't abide by the laws of the land, if we don't look at the red light, if they don't look at the green light and do what the laws of our land say when it says red, you stop, when it says green, you go, what's going to be the result of that? Chaos, death, people injured, lives mangled. Well, it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. When you go against God's commandments, when you go against God's laws, there's going to be death. There's going to be spiritual mangling and lives that are torn and ruined because we go against God's laws. And it's not because he's a killjoy. It's because he wants you and I to live. The Bible says that Satan came to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. God wants you and I to have an abundant life. He wants you and I to be victorious. He called us and said that we could be more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Amen? Amen. i got to stop so I can get back to this story. Okay. So, anyway, so Eve is in the garden and along comes a snake. And to me, I'm telling you what the snake represents to me is it's Satan himself. And I'm sorry for you snake lovers. I know they eat a lot of bugs and stuff, but I hate them. I just absolutely hate them. Because they represent, to me, they represent Satan. They represent the enemy. And um, so that, that's in my mind. You know, it just, it's just there. And um, so she's having a discussion. Listen to me. We should not be talking with the enemy. We should not be having a discussion because he's going to come along and he's going to do exactly what he did here. Did God really say that? Did he really say you couldn't do that? One little smoke, one little toke, two or three drinks, one little click on the internet. God didn't really, he's not. So, and then when it's all over, if you pushed him out and said, get behind me, Satan, you're good. If you didn't, and then you know you need to repent, and little John, it says, if we sin, how many sinned? How many sinned? All right, praise God. Now I don't have to preach on lying. <laughs> if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We can go to him and ask him to forgive us of our sins. And he is faithful to forgive us of all sin and unrighteousness. Okay, but it's at that juncture that the enemy comes along and says, you think, you, you, you're not a Christian. Look at, look at what you did this morning. Look at what you did last night. How you kicked the dog and you cursed your wife. You're not a Christian. 
hey, he did the same thing to Jesus. When he was in the, in, in, in the wilderness, he came to him and said, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, if you're really a Christian, listen, he is a liar and the father thereof, and we should not be listening to the enemy. We need to listen, and, and I'm no longer a slave. I am a child of God. And so we have to come to a place where we believe, we trust in what God says. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that, that uh, uh, Christ went to the cross and, and rose for our sins, you're saved. And you have to go on believing that, but there's more. God wants you to believe so that you can do the things that he called you to do. Amen? I'm not a, I got 10 pages here and I'm on the first page. And it's all scripture. It's a good thing we're not on the third floor. Those of you know, know your Bibles, and there's not any windows to fall out of. Okay, so anyway, Eve is having a conversation with the enemy. And the enemy is talking to her and telling her, hey, yeah, go ahead and eat of this tree. And, and, and there's always this, there's always this, there's, you know, it looks good. Hey, sin looks good. Always does. And it's, the Bible even says it's pleasurable. For a season. And then afterwards, it brings forth death. Okay? So it's, it's and, and again, his plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. God's plan is to give you abundant life. Amen? So, anyway, now they've done this. She took it. She ate of it. Then Adam comes along. You know, this is a funny thing. The Bible says this. It says that, that women are as the weaker vessel. And you, you, I didn't say it. God did. You know, you know, there's there's a thing going around in the world today that trying to make us all the same, or or even interchangeable. You know, you can be a, a man today and you can be a woman tomorrow. <laughs> Something's wrong with that thinking, okay? But so so it says women are as the weaker vessel. The trouble is, the weaker vessel is man's weakness. Hey. Hey, you see how that works? So here comes Eve, oh, Adam, and there goes Adam. Yeah, oh, and, and he takes it in sin. So here's what, that, this is where we're going to pick it up at, right here, okay? So they've ate, and it's in verse 8. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, well, the woman who you gave me to be with, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, well, the, certain uh, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. You know, that, that's the blame game. It, 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 it's somebody else. You know what? When we come and we begin to, you know, you sit in the pew and you go, man, I wish Aunt Sue was here. She sure needs to hear this. 
We need, we need to come to the place where we can say, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So what I want to do is just go back to this. God said to them, where are you? Come on. How many believe that God didn't know where they were? He's God. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He knows everything. The psalmist said, yeah, make my bed in heaven, make my bed in hell. No matter where I go, the, 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 uh, he said in the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, uh, shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because he's with me. God knew right where they were. What was he saying when he said, where are you? I'm going to take you to the New Testament and show you what I believe is the equivalent there. He was saying, what are you doing? What were you thinking? Why did you listen to the lies of that snake? Amen? What? Were, that's, that's, uh, that's what I really believe he was saying there. Where are you? What is wrong with you? What were you thinking? Okay? Amen? All right. So, if we go, by the way, Genesis 3, 20 and 21. This is a little bit further down. And man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Something had to be sacrificed. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, if you look in Hebrews 9, says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So they had to go through all them sacrifices back then. God sacrificed something to give them that, that clothes to wear. I want to tell you something. Let me just stop here for a minute. Fig leaves just won't do. It, because it says when, when, they, when they discovered that they were naked because they sinned, they went and sewed fig leaves together, and they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves. You know what that represents? It's you and I trying to earn what God gave us. We can't earn it. There had to be a shedding of blood. There had to be a sacrifice for your and my sins. And, and that's what happened when Jesus went to the cross. He shed the blood that once and for all our sins could be washed away. So there's a cost for our salvation. Amen? So anyway, we go into the New Testament. And I'm going to read out of um, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. It's verse 5, and it says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. And I'm going to stop there. Just examine yourselves to see where you are. Do you know as Christians, you and I need to examine ourselves? So, now, Jen, that doesn't mean you're supposed to examine Bill. Let's examine yourself. That, that, that doesn't, you know, it, it, they mean when I come up and say, well, I'm going to see how Clarence is doing. If I'm doing a little bit better than him, I'm okay. Or I'm going to go over to John, and, and, and if I'm doing just, just a tad better than John, then I'm all right. What, what do we examine ourselves against? God's standard, God's word. And you know what? Every time I go there, guess what? I, got, I, I, I follow a little short, and I, can, I got some room I can improve. 
Not, not, not in condemnation, not in, not in beating me down, but it, it gives me an encouragement that I, I, can, I can move up a little bit. Amen? How many this morning could move up a little bit? How many this morning could get a little bit closer to the Lord? Amen? So here, we're, here I think in Hebrews it's saying the same thing that God was saying. Where are you? Examine yourselves to see where you are. We need to do this on a regular basis. The Bible even says, you know what, you can go, you go in and you look at the mirror and then you walk away and you forget what you look like. What is our spiritual mirror? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. So we pick up the word of God, we open it up and we look there and it says, you shouldn't do this, do this. You know what, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If we would concentrate on all of the do's that are in God's word, we wouldn't even have to worry about the don'ts. We wouldn't have time. There's so many things that he's called us to that are great and awesome things. God, you know what? In the end, I, I, I'm, this is what I'm watching for. This is what I'm looking for because I'm telling you something that's going to happen. And it's a choice that you and I have to make whether we're going to be a part of it or not. But Jesus Christ said this. And there's not a thing that he's ever declared, not a prayer that he's ever prayed, or anything that hasn't come to pass. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that victorious church. Amen? So, in examining ourselves, I, I want to just hone in on one, one particular area today. And, um, and then we're going to get into the story of Esther. But um, before I get there, and I alluded to this in a, in, a, in a message here a while back. But when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he... He had the disciples with him, but he took three of them and he went off to another place to pray. And this was where he was praying, Lord, you know what? Uh, I'd rather not drink this cup, but in the end. And that, what was he talking about? He was talking about a sacrifice, going to the cross and dying. And he knew what he was going to have to do. And he, so he's in the garden and he's praying and he's interceding for himself. Some people say you can't, can't do that. And I don't know. I don't want to get into a biblical discussion whether you can or can't. But I'll tell you what, he was earnestly playing. Praying, he sweat drops of blood. So he was having this prayer, and, um, and then when three times he, you know, he went back to the disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, and they're sleeping. You know what? And he's going, you know, that would have been a real bummer. You know, to be, you know, you know you're facing the cross. You know, we need one another to stand with one another. You and I go through things, and we need each other to pray for each other, to, to be able to share our burdens with one another so that we can encourage one another and help one another up. If, uh, you know, if one's weeping, we all weep with them, and then we laugh together. And, and then we, uh, you know what? We need to get over this thing of, of killing our wounded. Pentecostals are real... You know, when, when, when somebody has, has gotten themselves in a mess, we need to pray to intercede and try to help them get out of that mess. Amen? Uh, God's, God's purpose, his divine purpose, no matter what he does, what tool that he uses, sometimes it might not be pleasant, but God's purpose is redemptive. Everything that God does has a redemptive purpose. Even those times when you get a spanking, it's because it's God. How many's ever got one of those? It's because God has a redemptive purpose. He wants to bring you back where you belong. Amen? So anyway, um, they get done, and um, 
praying, and then Judas comes with a big mob of people from the scribes and the Pharisees and the, and the leaders of the Sanhedrin, and they come out, it says, with clubs and swords and all this stuff to take Jesus, okay? And they grab him, and there's a lot of stuff that happens in that, in that case, but anyway, they grab him, and they begin to drag him away, and the Bible says they all fled, now, Peter had already made a declaration, I'll never leave you, I'll never, you know, he did, I'll, I'll not, I'll, you know. So anyway, here, I'm just going to read you, in, in Mark, the 14th chapter, I'm going to read you one verse. I'm going to read it in, uh, in the English Standard, and I'm going to read it in the King James also. Thank you, Brian. And, um, and it says, and Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards warming himself at the fire. King James Version says, and Peter followed him afar off. Let me ask you a question. Was Peter following him? Yes, he was. But he was following him afar off. How close are you following Jesus? Listen to me this morning. We can fall into the trap of living a life of, if you will, I'm just going to call it, calculated Christianity. Because what Peter was doing, now Peter, there's not a doubt in my mind that Peter loved the Lord. He loved the Lord and when he declared he would never run or he would never uh, uh, deny the Lord in his heart he just he really felt that he loved the Lord but he was following afar off and what was he doing why why was he doing that because he was afraid because they had came with swords and clubs and they grabbed Jesus and the intention was not good they were taking him because in the end what they were going to do is crucify him that was the common form of punishment under Rome and so Peter was following afar off because what Peter felt like was if I'm back here, I'm safe. A lot of us, you and I, in our life, on the job, in the marketplace, if we get real close to Jesus, somebody's going to know. Somebody's going to know about it. And it might cost us our pride. It might cost us something because somebody might make fun of us. Hello? And so we live this life, and it, it goes in and out of everything that we do. We live sometimes a life. Now listen to me. If the shoe doesn't fit this morning... Hey, praise God and go on. But if it does, examine yourself to see where you are. Do, are we living a life of calculated Christianity? And here's the deal. In, in this case with Peter, the further off that he was, the safer he was, the closer he got to Jesus, the more dangerous it was. You know what? But there's something about walking hand in hand with Jesus. There's something about walking close to Jesus. Because here's the thing. 
When you're walking close to Jesus, what I've found, because I've been that distant person, and I've been right up in the bosom of the Lord, and what I have found is that when you're walking hand in hand with Jesus, it doesn't matter what's happening around you because you have the peace of the Lord. He says he will give you that perfect peace that passes all understanding, not as the world gives, but as he gives. And then it doesn't matter what happens because you're close to Jesus. In order for you and I to be able to do what God wants us to do, we're going to be, have to be walking close to Jesus, not following afar off and, 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 and getting tripped up. Because if you're following from afar off, living that, making those calculations as you go along, you're going to get tripped up. And in a sense, sometimes, you know what? When you walk into a place and, the time, and you sit down even to have your meal, and it's, what do you do before you have a meal? You bow your heads and pray and say, thank, thank you, God, for this food. Take out all the calories and all that stuff, you know. <laughs> you know, but... So, you know, in, in Luke, the 14th chapter, let me read you something. I'm going to read verse 28, 29, 30. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Count the cost. Whether he has enough to complete it, otherwise, when he laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build the tower, but he wasn't able to finish it. What do you think Jesus was talking about there? Well, if you back up in 27, he, what he's saying is, you need to count the cost. Then when you back up to verse 27, this is what he was talking about. Whosoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Count the cost. You know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Without going into it, you know, when the disciples, Jesus had a hard saying, and he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, and then a whole bunch of people left said, well, man, you're weird. We're, that's too hard. That's too hard of a saying. We're not doing that. And they all left. And then he looked at his disciples and said, are you, you going to go too? And they said, there's no place else to go. You have the words of eternal life. What we need to be looking at in our lives is examining our lives in the light of eternity. In the light of eternity, that's how we need to, to make our decisions. Not how does this affect what I look like right now in front of these people at, on the job. It's what do I look like to Jesus? I'd rather be a friend to Jesus than anybody. Amen? And I'd rather him to be my friend. It, does, it doesn't mean I don't want friends. Please be my friend. But you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. Amen? So, now we move to, to Esther. And I'm going to just give you a little bit. Are you with me this morning? Are we good? Okay. We're, we're, we're going to look at Esther. And I, I want to give you just a little bit of a background before I read, before I read this. Um, a couple of chapters there. In, in verses 1 and 2, um, there is King Ahasuerus. And I think uh, Dave could probably tell you this. But I don't know if it's in the Greek. His name was Artaxerxes. But he was a king of a large, uh, large area of land. I think it was somewhere between Egypt and India. He had 127 provinces. He was a powerful king in that time. And he had a palace in Susa. 
And um, he was giving a, uh, a party, actually, actually showing everybody all of the wonders of his kingdom, which took about 180 days. And then at the end, they had a seven-day feast. And uh, this, this guy is a, just a powerful king. So they had this seven-day feast. And at the end of the feast... Um, he summoned, he sent somebody to go get the queen, and her name was Vashti. And so they went, uh, th this fellow went to go get uh, Queen Vashti because he wanted to bring her out uh, and, and, and show all of her beauty to all, you know, he'd been showing them the kingdom and all this stuff, so he wanted to show her beauty. Well, Vashti refused to come. So, long story short, she refused to come, and He's in a rage, uh, King Ahasuerus, because she won't come. And so he got to talking with, uh, down the road with, uh, with his uh, council and his leadership and, and talked to them. And uh, they came up with a plan. And, they, and, and what ended up happening was Queen Vashti was banished from the kingdom, banished from his presence. She was the queen no longer. Then they had to do something because now... You know, here's the king, and what, what, what good's a king without a queen? Come on, guys, you're supposed to, that's a good place to say amen, guys. What, 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 what's, uh, you know, I, my, my queen's sitting over there. Amen? And uh, she is a treasure to me. So, anyway, they decide to go through all these 127 provinces and find all of the nice-looking girls and get them all together, and then uh, King Ahasuerus is going to choose one of them. Okay? That's where we're at. So, in fact, let me, let me just read you a little bit here in, 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 uh, before I get into chapter 3 and 4. Uh, Esther chapter 2, 7 and 8. Uh, and it's when it says he at the beginning, it's, it's talking about Mordecai. Mordecai, who is her cousin, must be a little bit older than her. Esther, chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. And he, Mordecai, bringing up Hadassah, that, that, that was her, her uh, Jewish name. That is Esther, the daughter of his uncle. For she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa the citadel in the custody of Haggai, uh, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put into custody of Haggai, uh, who had charge of the women. Now, to, to cut it down a little bit, let me, let me get to this spot here in verse 15 of chapter 2. So they got all these women together from all the provinces, and what happens is they're going to go in, and each one of them is going to spend some time with the king. And uh, so in verse 15 it says this, And when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of, of Abihel, to go, uh, 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 of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, uh, who had taken her as his own daughter to go in to the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai the king's eunuch, who had charge of the woman, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. You know, the Bible says that, that if we walk with the Lord, he'll, he'll, he'll put us at peace even with our enemies. He's able to do that. So God can give you favor. 
And in verse 16, and when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Okay? So that's where I'm going to begin picking up and reading in chapter 3. Now, Esther was a Jew. And she never said anything about it. She never told King Ahasuerus that, that, that she was Jewish or anything like that. So here she is. She's been looked upon with favor. And she's uh, now the queen of, with this king that's over 127 provinces. And, and he loved her more than all the other ones, so made her queen. And uh, she's, she's in a pretty good place. Sitting, sitting pretty good, you know? So, let's read this story. You with me? Yeah. All right, are you with me? Yeah. Okay, we're going to pick up the story in chapter 3. After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadetha, and advanced him to set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate, bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants, who were at the king's gate, said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, he would not listen to them, and, he, uh, and they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. I will tell you this today. As we walk through this world, we have come to a place where when you do not see things the way other people see things, when you do not see the bathroom issue the way other people see it, when you do not see marriage the other way people see it, when you do not see the life issue of unborn babies, the way that other people see, you are going to find that people are filled with fury. Okay? So, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So they, so they had made known to him the people of Mordecai. And Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of of Ahasuerus. So Haman's got a pride problem because Mordecai won't bow down to him and he's ticked off about it. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year, King Ahasuerus, they cast pure, that is they cast lots before Haman day after day and they cast it month after month till the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples of all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it please the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business. 
that they may put it in the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring. This, is, this guy's one of his advisors, and he's his top, top guy, and he's given him bad info, but he, he doesn't know this. So the king took the signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you and the people also. Do with them as it seems good to you. Chapter 4. When Mordecai learned all of this that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry and he went up to the entrance of the king's gate for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and lamenting and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. And when Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. So she sent garments to Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, uh, who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai and learn why this was, uh, what this was, and why it was. And Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and to plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go back to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any woman goes in uh, to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death except one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. So th this was something that was common back then in, in a lot of kingdoms where when the king is in his inner court, you, you didn't go in unless you were summoned. You could not go into the king. You couldn't just walk in and say, hey, king, what's up? Because if he was in a bad mood and he's got a golden scepter in his hand and he didn't reach it out, you're dead meat. So she hasn't been called in there for 30 days and, and Mordecai's telling her he's got to go and plead for the Jews because there's this thing out there to kill him, okay? You know what? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that we can come in to our king? Aren't you glad? He said, let us boldly come in to the throne of grace that we may obtain help in a time of need. I'm glad that our king says, come. Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Amen? Glad that's not the case here. So, she hasn't been in there for 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think yourselves that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. But if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews uh, from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come into the kingdom for such a time as this. I believe that you and I are in this day and age living where we are for such 
a time as this. Amen? So, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for these three days, night or day, and I and my young women will fast also as you do. Then I will go to the king and though it be against the law, if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything that Esther had ordered him to do. Esther had a place of prominence. Esther had a place of influence. Esther was safe. She was the queen of a king who was over 127 provinces. But you know what? Esther had to do something. Esther had to do something. There's a lot of people doing it today. Esther had to come out. Esther had to come out. She had to say what she was. She was a Jew. And not only did she have to come out, you know what? I've seen in the last 20 years, I've seen everything that I could think of, I thought, come out of the closet. It's time that Christians come out of the closet. It's time that you and I come out of the closet. You know, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Paul said it in, in Romans. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's time the church stood up. It's time the church came out of the closet. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We need to come out of the closet and declare what thus saith the Lord. You and I need to come out of the closet. So Esther came to a place where she had to come out. She had to say what she was. You know what? You think this was easy? Look, this guy got ticked at the last queen and banished her from the kingdom, and she hasn't been called, and now she's got to go in before the king. He hasn't called her, and if he's in a bad mood and doesn't hold out that golden scepter, she's done. But she knew that God had raised her for such a time as this and she had to come out and she had to say who she was. It's time you and I say when we walk out into the marketplace, I'm a child of the king. We're called to be light. We're called to be salt. We're supposed to be out there letting our light shine. I can hear the voice of the Lord. Come out. Where are you? Where are you? Come out. Come out wherever you are. Oh, church of the living God. Come out. Come out wherever you are. I've called you to be light. I've called you to be salt. Come out. Come out wherever you are. Get out of the closet. Come out. Come out. Amen. It, we are not here by accident. We're not in, and I believe this with all my heart, a few weeks ago our pastor said, you know what, I believe God has given us a little window of time. And I believe that with my heart. Just a little window of time to do and be obedient to what God has called you and I to. Do you know, in the last couple of weeks I picked up a book, how many's ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? Okay, 
I, I picked up one of these books. It's called Jesus Freaks. It's by one of the, one of the bands and in, in the, in the uh, Voice of the Martyrs. And you begin to read through there. I read a story here just a couple nights ago where a 13-year-old boy was taken captive and, 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 uh, by a, a it was Islam, actually, and this is back in, the, in the, like the 1500s, and they, they tried to get him. He was 10 years old when they got him, and they kept him for three years, and they kept trying to get the, the, the man wanted to have relations with him, but he also wanted him to renounce his faith in Jesus. The boy is 10 years old, and so they went for three years. They kept him in prison, and he kept saying, I will not deny Jesus Christ. I will not deny him. At the end of three years, they took him out, and they put him in irons, and they began to burn him and torture him all day long, and he still refused to deny Jesus Christ. And then they took these things, and they stretched him out on the irons, and they cut off one arm, then they cut off the other arm, they cut off one leg and cut off the other leg, and he still refused, and they cut off his head and threw him in the river, but he was in heaven with Jesus because he refused to deny Christ. We in this country need to grow up we need to understand the freedoms that you and I have. We get mad at the preacher because he didn't shake our hand and God is saying, come out, come out wherever you are. Grow up and be what I've called you to be. I called you to be more than conquerors. We need to grow up and be what God wants us to be. Listen, this is coming right back to me just like it's hitting you. I want my, I, you know what? I want to finish well. I want to finish well. I want to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand it gives light to all in the house. It's in the very same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see, see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Philippians 2, 14 through 16 says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. Boy, that, there's another message. <laughs> that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. We are in a twisted generation. Among whom you shine is lights, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud of you that I did not run in vain. Paul's saying, I want to be proud of you in, in a, a Philippi there that I didn't come and, and, and impart to you in vain. And I know that's Pastor Dave's heart and Pastor Tony's heart and Pastor Norm's heart and my heart and Pastor Ron's heart. Amen? That you don't run in vain that I don't run in vain in sharing with you that God is calling us to a place where we step up higher. Listen, Peter, you know what? Peter got turned around. Remember Peter? Following from afar off. What happened? Peter was forgiven and filled. Forgiven and filled. Jesus forgave him, and on the day of Pentecost he was filled. And he stood up in the same area where they had taken Jesus and he preached the gospel and 3,000 people were saved. And you know what? Peter kept following that because um, if you look at the book of Acts, 
I, 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 I just kind of sprung through there, and, and three different times he was taken and thrown in jail. And the second time he was beaten. And you know what they were saying to him? Quit preaching Jesus. Quit preaching Jesus. Wonder, yeah, wonder why they don't want to hear about Jesus. Because there's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. So what did he do? Stop preaching Jesus. The world would love it. You know, Romans, Romans, it says it this way. It says that they don't want to retain God in their knowledge anymore. They don't want to hear about it because it, 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 it's, a, it's a conviction of their sin. And God has called you and I to be a witness, to come out of the closet, to live our lives not ashamed. Man, this Christ died for me. I'm not ashamed. In fact, it says in one place that if we're going to be ashamed of him before men, that he will be ashamed of us before his Father. Let's, let's stand this morning. Let me, let me, I got just a couple other scriptures here. And I, I ran this by our resident theologian, <laughs> Dave Alexander. You know, if you, if you want to get into some good studies, BTI, that's the place to be. Amen? But in the eighth chapter of Romans, I'm going to read you one passage of scripture, and I'm going to read it out of two different versions. And contextually I know that it's talking about the redemption of our bodies where we are one day one day I'm going to stand in heaven with a new body and it's not going to be subject to sickness to sin to the phone bill to the light bill none of that stuff is going to matter because I'm going to have a new body and I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus. So this scripture bears heaven uh, largely, heavily concerning that. But I felt there was a little portion of it also that applied to here and now. And Dave said, yeah, you've got license to say that. How many, how many remember the story of the Ethiopian eunuch? He's sitting in a chariot and he's reading Isaiah, and he says, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. And Philip is going down aisle seven in the Walmart store. And he hears the Lord say to him, you see that guy out there parked in that chariot? Go talk to him. So Philip, obedient to the Lord, he goes over and says, Hey, can I help you? And the guy goes, yeah, I'm reading this in Isaiah, and I, I don't understand what it is. Philip gets into the, into the chariot, into the Cadillac, and he says, oh, go. And he starts telling him, this is Jesus, and he begins to preach Jesus to him. Listen to this. In Romans 8, 19, it says, For the creation waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The whole of creation 
In King James it says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. I believe in my heart that there is people out there that you and I run across every single day that are longing for the truth. They want to know the truth. They want to know what life is really about. You know, Jesus said, who is the truth? You shall know the truth. Know me. There's a lot there. But he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And God's called you and I to be truth dispensers, to come out of the closet and to share the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise God. We're going to close. Nobody has to look down or close their eyes, but I'm just going to ask this. How many think that you could get a little closer to Jesus than you are right now? I got both hands up. You know what? After Peter was, was thrown in prison those three times, beaten, and the angel come out and got him one time, um, and then one time the whole place just shook and they ended up back out there. You know, every time they went back out and preached. But what they did is they prayed for boldness. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. How, how many want a little bit more boldness? So that we can come out of the closet and share. And, and I'm, yay, listen to me this morning. You may have felt like you just got beat up this morning. It's not my heart. My heart longs to see us be all that we can be for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm not telling you to go out and beat up on people. I'm telling you to go out and love them. Go out and share the love of Jesus Christ. Let them see your good works. When they see your good works, they'll glorify your Father who's in heaven. Amen? So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for these sheep here this morning that are sheep in your pasture and Father we're asking you this morning would you say this with me Jesus give me that boldness to preach your name to sing your name to talk to people about how much you love them grant me that boldness and follow your word with signs and wonders in Jesus' name, amen. Give him a hand of praise this morning. Thank you. Next, Sunday night. Be here Sunday morning. Pastor Tony's going to share a word with us. Next Sunday night, we're having prayer. Brother Dave is going to lead us in a, in a prayer meeting. You know, I like those, I want to get into one of those biblical prayer meetings where they all prayed and the place was shaken. Amen? And, uh, and then we go out from there. Then we've got Good Friday service. Uh, just, I might as well say this out right now as long as you're all here. Listen, we are going to have a gathering of, a, of, 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 I think, six churches it is. And there are brothers and sisters in Christ. But let me just say this. Um, not everybody believes everything that we believe. And um, if we're going to operate in love, we're trying to build unity in the body of Christ. Great things happen when the body walks in unity. So those of you that exercise those spiritual gifts like we saw this morning, 
we're going to ask on Good Friday. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophets is subject unto the prophets. So let's not be showing our spirituality on Good Friday. Let's love our brothers and sisters in Christ and, uh, and just kind of hold back on that stuff for Friday so that we can get together around the cross of Christ, amen, and love on our brothers and sisters, amen. Father, we thank you for today. Bless these people as they go and get their snacks. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray you enjoyed this message. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at gaylorchurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.